0: If you please open your Bible to the book of Psalm chapter 27. Psalm 27, and this is what the Word of God says. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall, though an army encamp against me. My heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be Praise be to God for the reading of his word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity of giving us to be in your word. I pray, Lord, that you will grant us clarity and understanding and that you'd fill us with your spirit. That you would open our eyes that we may behold the the wonderful things out of your law. May my lips and the meditation of my heart, O God, be acceptable. In your sight, my God and my Redeemer. God, I dedicate this hour to you. Enable me to stand behind those, this, this pulpit. That they would hear your word. That I would make much of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That his name will be lifted up and be exalted through the preaching of your word. Help us now. Enable the main teacher. The Holy Spirit to teach us. And reveal yourself even more. And we pray for all these things. In the precious name of our Savior Jesus Christ we pray. And everyone said. Amen. And amen. As we turn our attention to the book of Psalm chapter 27. The title of this message is. One thing. One thing. Thing. Psalm 27, the main idea, declares uh, uh, of the stability and dependability of the believer's relationship with God. Uh, as you know, human relationships too often fail, even uh, the closest ones. But God, understand this, as we study this chapter, God never fails us, nor forsakes us. When you look at Psalm 27, it is a part of a trio of Psalms, chapter 26, 27, and 28, that give instruction on seeking and finding the Lord in his house, his tabernacle in verse 6. Of course, the Lord Jesus is the tabernacle of God. As you would read in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word who became flesh and tabernacled among us. The earliest uses of the phrase the house of the Lord. Uh, you'll see that in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, and chapter 34, verse 26 are referenced to the tabernacle. And you could also see that in first Samuel chapter 1, verse 7, and also verse 24. The tabernacle is also called the, the temple in First Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, as well as chapter 3, verse 3. The tabernacle is also called uh, the sanctuary in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. And many other times in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and even Numbers, uh, it refers to holy sanctuary in in Leviticus 16, verse 33. When you look at Psalm 27, verse 5 and 6, You'll notice, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. So there you would see uh, a tent. So we must seek him and find him if we are to experience the Lord as our light in our salvation. See, fleeing to and finding him, what should be our response? You see, the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, adds um, before he was anointed, after of David in the psalm's inscription, that could indicate the time of Saul's persecution of David. One thing you'll notice in the Jewish practice, Psalm 27 is recited throughout the sixth um, month in preparation for Rosh Hashanah the new year, and Yom Kippur, the day of atonement uh, which, which take place in the seventh month. In the days of awe, the ten holy days of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. There are four things I want us to see in this chapter. The first thing is in verses 1, 2, and 3 is the uh, proclaim, uh, proclaiming confidence in the Lord. In verses 4 through 6, desiring the presence of the Lord. In verses 7 through 12, the third thing I want us to see in this chapter is growing dependence upon the Lord. And last, in verses 13 and 14, is declaring patience in the Lord. The first thing I want us to see in verses 1, 2, and 3 is this: uh, it's proclaiming confidence in the Lord. David is an honest man as he, penses, uh, as he pens, as he writes this psalm. He is confident and concerned, a man of faith and a man of fears, trusting and yet wondering about it all. Uh, he's very much like you and me and, and like us. He, he needs to get his focus back on the Lord. Who God is and what God will do. In verse 1, You'll notice, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David says that God has been three things to him. Number one, his light, his salvation, and his stronghold. So the first thing I want us to look at is that David says that God has been his light. My light. This is the only direct reference to God as light in the Old Testament. So if you turn your Bible to the book of Psalm chapter 18, verse 28. For it is you who light my lamp, the Lord my God lightens my darkness. In 36, uh, verse 9. For with you is a fountain of life. In your light do we see light. In Psalm 104, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Even in the book of Isaiah, chapter 10, verse 17. In Isaiah, chapter 10, verse 17, and this is what the Word of God says. The light of Israel will become a fire and His Holy One a flame, and it will burn and devour His thorns and briars in one day. So, we have to go to the New Testament to find a good parallel And when we do, we find that there, there, light is the name for Jesus Christ. So if you turn your Bible to the book of John, in the New Testament, John chapter 1, verse 4 through 9. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light and that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In chapter 8 verse 12 of of John. Chapter 8 verse 12. Again Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In first Timothy chapter six, verse sixteen Who alone has immorality? Who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As we look our attention to the book of First John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. What is this image supposed to mean? In the Gospel of John, it has to do with understanding, which is why it is applied to Jesus. It is in Him that we see or understand what God the Father is like. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5-10, through 10, as we have read, and we'll continue in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, In First John chapter one verse five through ten, the passages we just read, light has to do with God's purity or uh, sinlessness, because it is opposed to the darkness of sinful behavior. So, what is the meaning or the function of light? It it, it gives life. It provides knowledge and understanding. It, it dispels fear. So David is affirming that even in the darkness of the terrible threat of war, he has, he has no fear. Why? Because for God is the light that can dispel such fearful darkness. So that's the first thing that we see in verse 1. What David said that, that God is, is his light. And the second thing he says, my salvation. The Hebrew word for salvation means deliverance explicitly and again this probably has to do with deliverance from the king's immediate uh, enemies see god is the source and goal of our salvation and he saves people from his wrath for the sake of his glory so my salvation now the third thing that he wants us to see in verse one is that god is his stronghold david clearly needed a refuge from his enemies. He had, he had it in the past, therefore he will not fear any future dangers. Even if his foes uh, should attack, an army should besiege him, or war uh, should break against the nation, David will not fear as long as God is his stronghold. If you turn your Bible to Psalm 18, again Psalm 18 verse 10. And the Word of God says, He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. Although in this setting, these three images for God probably have to do with military deliverance and protection. They also rightly suggest even greater meanings to us. You see, light speaks of spiritual understanding. Salvation Points to the greatest of all deliverances, namely deliverance from sin by the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. Stronghold refers to that spiritual refuge from the pains and buffetings of life which God Himself is for His people. For us, this is a well-rounded statement of God's manifold spiritual blessings. I love what John's thought says here in verse 1. John Stott says, The Lord is my light to guide me. The Lord is my salvation to deliver me. And, and the Lord is my stronghold of my life in whom I take refuge. With such a God on my side, or of whom shall I fear? No one. With such, with such a God on my side or on your side, whom Shall you be afraid? No one. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. If God is for us. Who can be against us? And then in verse 2 and 3. David speaks of the wicked enemies. An army that come against him to eat up or to devour his flesh. And those who rise up against him in war. Indeed. They encamp against him, surrounding him on every side. And yet he can say at the end of verse 3, In this, I will be confident. In what? In verse 2 says, They stumbled and fell. That's the past tense. Uh, the past tenses of future action are certain and complete. One thing you go back and see in this, I will be confident. The Hebrew term used by David translated. Confident does not mean self-reliant or bra- or being brave, humanly speaking. In Hebrew, it means to trust, to be secure, or to have assurance. It, it's kind of like to throw oneself down upon one's face, to lie upon uh, the ground. That's what it means that 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 confident that he has on the Lord. That when he says this in this, that I will be confident. The point I want to get across is that the source of David's confidence and stability was not his own strength, but God. Listen, listen to that. His Lord was his only foundation for rock like stability. What an unshakable foundation. It is clearly implied that the Lord causes their stumbling and fall, and, and therefore, David's heart will not fear because he is confident the Lord will will defend him. You see, when God is on our side, we are never outnumbered. We have the advantage. We are assured of salvation. We are assured of deliverance. We are assured of rescue. If you turn your Bible to the book of Revelation chapter 12, and you'll notice here in verse 10 and 11, The warrior lamb is our deliverer. The light of the world is our salvation. I will fear no one. I will be afraid of nothing. As David says. And the same thing for us. Knowing Christ, our Savior, He is our warrior lamb. He is indeed our deliverer. In verses 4-6, through six, The second thing I want us to look at here is uh, desiring the presence of the Lord. Desiring the presence of the Lord. In in Psalm 27 verse 4 says this. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. So if you could have anything. If you could ask for one thing, what would you ask for? Think about that in your life. What would you ask for? One thing. And and I think for many of us, if we were really honest, what comes to our mind is is yes, something, some gift that God might give, some way that He might provide, something that He might do. It might be in our lives, or it might be in somebody's, Somebody else's life. So what one thing would you ask for? Perhaps an obedient child, an obedient husband or wife. Better yet, a better health. More income. I mean, David knew what should be the, the passion and, and priorities of his life, of our life. And he lays them before us clearly and simply in in these following verses. So in verse 4, I want us to focus on this. Seek the Lord. So David expresses his greatest desire, which is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. So David expresses the soul's desire of all who have tasted of the Lord's goodness and and experienced his salvation. And he says, one thing I have asked or one thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek. And what is that we should seek? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. And where I'm really convicted is, if there's any inclination in me, if I was going to ask for one thing, to ask for this gift or this provision, or, or or God to do this or that in a certain way, then I think what I'm showing is that what I really want is something besides God. I want Him to do this, or I want Him to do that. I want Him to provide this, or I want Him to provide that in the process God is becoming a means to an end, which is not the way our hearts are supposed to be. Our hearts are supposed to look to God, not as a means to an end, but God as the end. He is the one we want. He is the one we need. This is the danger of the so-called prosperity gospel that's being sold all over the world. Like, come to God and you can get help. Come Come to God, put your faith in God, and you and you can get wealth. Come to God, and you can get prosperity. It, it misses the whole point. You come to God to get God. He's the one we want. He's the one we need. It's kind of like a picture of Martha and Mary in, in the New Testament. Where the picture is, um, Martha was busy of serving the Lord and, and and, and you know, I, I love how Christ dealt with Martha, because Mary wanted what was best. Is it, is to be, to be with God, to be with her Savior. But Martha was busy with doing other things. He, she was preoccupied. But Jesus Christ dealt with her. In such a loving and caring way. Again, we need to look back and really assess our own hearts. Knowing this, that he is the one we want. He is the one we need. So David speaks also of the temple, his pavilion, and his tabernacle in verse 5 and 6. I mean, the question is, why does David have this single and obsessive longing for God's house? Particularly, that the glorious temple of Solomon was yet many years in the future. At this point, God's house was still a tent, the tent David built for the ark when he brought it from Kiryat uh, Jearim to Mount Zion, in Psalm chapter six, under uh, no, Second Samuel chapter six, verse uh, seventeen. So, if you look at there, in 2 Samuel chapter six, verse seventeen. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set in in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. The answer is that it was not the earthly temple itself that charmed David, but rather the beauty of the Lord that was to be found at the temple in a special way. And here's the reason is solely that the psalmist must, might gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. It, it is the Lord himself. It is, the, it, it is Yahweh. It is Jehovah himself that he is seeking. There's, there is something to be experienced of God in, in church that is not quite so easy to experience elsewhere. Otherwise, why have churches if it is only instruction we need, we can get that as well as a, by a podcast on YouTube, perhaps even on Facebook Live. If it is only fellowship, we can find that equally well, perhaps better in a small home gathering. There is something to be said for the pure, uh, pure physical singing of the hymns, uh, the sitting in the pews, the actual looking to the pulpit and gazing on the pulpit Bible as it is, Expounded. the tasting of the sacrament as we take the Lord's Supper today in the very atmosphere of the place set apart for the worship of God that is spiritually beneficial. How, haven't you found a sense of God's presence simply by being in God's house? The actual physical worship of God in the company of other believers with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why in the midst of this pandemic, it's so important for us to gather together, to be in the company of our brothers and our sisters, worshiping, singing, and fellowshipping with one another. Here, not just online, but here in person. So David is saying, the one thing that matters most and trumps all others is to be in the very presence of the Lord, beholding His beauty, and pursuing Him wholly and completely. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 uh, states this, and promises, And you will seek me and find me, when you search for me with all, of, with all of your heart. To see His beauty is to see His glory, to know His love and enjoy His presence as Father, Savior, and Comforter. Revelations, Revelation 21 verse 3 promises the servants of God. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and, and be their God. Revelation chapter 22 verse 4 and 5 adds, They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Even the greatest things we may perhaps ask, uh, ask for will never satisfy us. God alone can satisfy us. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 reminds us, But, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Even in Psalm Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Church is so important for us that knowing this, even the greatest things we may perhaps ask for will never satisfy us. God alone can satisfy us. In verse 5, David was a Realists, and we should be too. There will be times in life when trouble comes. It it may be physical, spiritual, psychological, or some combination of all three. The weight of this world can nearly crush us. When those times come, what will you do? In verse 5, shows us to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, run to Him, and let Him hide you in His shelter or in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle. However, if you trust Him, He will not only hide you, He will exalt you. He will set you high upon a rock, He Himself being that rock. In Psalm 28, verse 1 tells us this. To you, O oh Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. Lest if you, be, if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Trust the Lord and He will both hide you and establish you on a firm foundation. You will have His safety and you will know His strength. As the hymn writer so beautifully wrote, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, trust Him. Run to Him. Trust the Lord, my brothers and my sisters. In verse 6, there there is left then only one right and proper response. I will worship this great and awesome God. Look at verse 6 again. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Church, the response is this. I will worship this great and awesome God. I will offer sacrifices of joy, shouts of joy in this tabernacle. I will sing yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. See David will honor the Lord with sacrifice and singing, with his sacrifice being expressed in the form of song. Uh, as you know, our, our dear sister Queenie is battling uh, breast cancer, a very aggressive one in one morning, in our house. As she stood there right in front of the, of the fridge. A few days after her uh, surgery. a Major surgery at that. So uh, she was standing there in front of the fridge. And my daughter and I were witnessing this. She was trying to lift her arm. With, with tears of joy. She was lifting her arm in praise because a few minutes before coming down here to, to have breakfast with us, she said in her prayer that morning, Lord, if I could only lift my arms, I will praise you. And that's what exactly she was doing that morning. Picture with me of lifting despite of the discomfort, despite of the pain that she was feeling, if, if she could only lift her arm in worship, in, in honor, in, 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 in shouts of joy. Oh, how many of us are taking advantage of when we wake up in the morning and we're praising and we're thanking God, we're shouting of joy, we're offering sacrifices of joy before our God. You understand this, that David will honor the Lord with sacrifice and singing. In other words, he will both do something for God and testify to others about God. What our dear sister Queenie did that morning is that she testified the goodness and the faithfulness of God in her life in front of us. Despite of the pain, despite of the affliction. Perhaps he could not get to the visible and concrete place of worship now for King David. But he would, and soon, in faith, he declares, When I do, I will give sacrifice to the Lord. And I will shout as with a war cry to my God who delivers me. Our our God is a great God. And we should not be hesitant to let others know. Oh church think of it. think, ponder upon this truth. Our God is a great God and we should not be hesitant to let others know. I mean personally and corporately we should shout of his beauty, we should shout of his salvation, we should shout of his faithfulness to those who trust him. Shame on us that some Sports fans shout with more passion and enthusiasm for their favorite team that we do for our awesome God. Seek Him and and you will find Him. Trust Him and He will prove faithful. Worship Him and He will exalt you above those who would do you harm. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you burst forth all alone in a song of worshipful trust? Point number three in verses 7 through 12 growing dependence on the Lord. David again highlights three areas in particular where we can count on the Lord to keep his word. In verses 7 through 8, the Lord will hear you. We can ask and expect the Lord to hear when when we call. The voice that shouts and sings to him in worship in verse 6 can be confident that the Lord will hear that same voice when you and I commune with him. When we pray, a merciful answer can be our confident expectation. Speaking to the Lord means seeking the Lord. What David does in verse 4, he is instructed to do in verse 8. And his response is what ours should be, obedient and immediate. God would not tell us to seek his face unless he would show himself to us when we do. Picking up on a several of the themes found in Psalm 27, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. So turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the God who will have mercy and answer when you cry to him in prayer. In verse 9 and 10, the Lord will care for you. God helps, God saves, and He cares. As great as the love is of an earthly father and mother, it is no match and pales in comparison to the love and care of our Lord, our Heavenly Father. In verse 10, in this section of the psalm, most people are directed to this passage. This is partially because being forsaken by a parent is so poignant and partially because so Many people have experienced disappointment from a parent to some degree. Some being abandoned emotionally and often physically by their parents. Indeed, an increasing number seem to have been abused by them. God does not abandon us like our earthly sinful parents or even friends. Nestled within the list of requests, we find a brief Candid admission from David's heart his parents for some unrevealed reason had forsaken him The original Hebrew terms means to leave to desert or to abandon I find it intriguing that David's own parents had turned their backs on their son even though he was a godly man Equally interesting interesting is David's security as he declares, but the Lord will take me up. He will take me in. If you turn your Bible to Isaiah, Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even this may forget. Yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. What hope it offers to us. The prophet. Speaking for God says that mothers may forget their infant babies, but the Lord does not forget one of his own. That, my friend, includes you, it includes me. The question is have you been, fors- have you been forsaken? Have your parents turned against you, even though you have tried to maintain a healthy relationship with them? Have they misread your messages? If I can, if I may, I want to share to you my personal life story. You see, when I was two, my parents separated. Uh, my three sisters and I were living with relatives, grandparents, uncles, and aunts uh, as I was growing up. So I know what it feels like to be abandoned, I know what it feels like to be forsaken by your own parents. By the grace of God, through this verse 10, God granted me salvation and peace from loneliness. You see, God uses chapter specifically this verse, to draw me to himself, to open my eyes. You see, I grew up as a child, as a young boy, longing for the presence of my physical parents. I know what it feels like, the hurt, the pain of not having your parents near you. You see, even though my parents abandoned or forsaken me, God was there watching me. His promise is true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. See, I praise God that He, will, that he never left me alone alone in my little corner, per se. You see, through this chapter, not just in verse 10, but in going back to verse 1, in how God shaped my heart to respond to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. And how I needed to be delivered from my sins. And through that, He has comforted my empty heart One thing I have longed for uh, as a child, he gave me peace and he gave me joy. He gave me himself. Even though my parents were not there for me. One thing I love about this is that God has granted me an opportunity to personally share the gospel to my mom and to my dad. I had the opportunity to back in 1999, to go home in the Philippines and become a short-term missionary. And I got the opportunity to share the gospel, the good news of Christ to my, to my dad. And as I was sharing the good news, uh, as we were reflecting back on our, and why he abandoned me, why he left me in such a, uh, such a time. All he could do was apologize. Tears were flowing from his eyes. But I love him. God gave me the opportunity to share the good news of Christ to him, to forgive him for those years that I was forsaken or abandoned. He needed the gospel. He needed to hear the goodness of Christ. You see, my beloved, what I want to encourage you is you need to refuse to become bitter. Claim the security your Lord promises you. You have nothing to fear because you have him who has conquered fear. His care is more consistent than that of your parents. David notes in the section that he is seeking from God. What do we seek from a parent after all? We look to our parent to receive, to listen, to guide, and to protect us, don't we? Well, that is exactly what David is seeking from God in these verses. He is the God who has promised in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In verse 11 and 12, the Lord will guide you. In Psalm 119, 105 teaches us, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We need the light of God when we face difficult and trying times. We must not rely on our emotions or feelings. We dare not trust our heart or experiences. We must stand firmly on Christ, our rock. David asked the Lord to teach me your way, O Lord. Let me live and respond to what I may face as you would. David also asked the Lord to sovereignly, providentially, precisely and specifically to guide his life. Lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my enemies. Why? Because false witnesses, these liars have risen against me and such as breathe out violence, that they would do him harm. What a good word for every believer. We must learn the way of Christ and let him lead us in every step. Just one misstep can undo years of consistent, faithful service. And, and, and know your enemies wait. Lungs filled with evil accusations ready for any opportunity. And the last point in verse 13 and 14. Declaring patience in the Lord. The, this psalm concludes on a high note of confidence and assurance, even triumphant in victory. Because of the power and might of the God who is our light, who is our salvation, we can trust, we can rest in the Lord who will do two things for us in verse 13 let the lord sustain you how awesome it is then that 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 we can pray these words in full confidence absolute faith and complete certainty because the greater son of david the lord jesus prayed such a prayer on the cross as his enemies surrounded him in verse 3 slandered him in verse 12 and violently took his life in verse 12. He commended his life, he commended his destiny into the hands of a heavenly father, knowing in full confidence he would see the goodness of the Lord three days later in the land of the living through glorious and powerful resurrection. No wonder the author of Hebrews writes in in Hebrews 5, verse 7, During his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears, to the one who was able to save him from that and he was heard. The God who sustained Jesus and David will sustain you and me. We too will see his goodness in the land of the living now as well as in the future. That's one thing. You can confidently count on it. And lastly in verse 14. The Lord strengthen you. Adrian Rogers said, God is not concerned with time, only timing. He is never late and never early, but right on time. The things he is praying for and for which we pray do not always come to us at once. See, God has his timings, which are not ours. And therefore, what we pray for and need is sometimes delayed. What then? Are we to despair of having answers to lose confidence? Not at all. We, we simply need to wait. In verse 14 it says, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Strength and courage are developed uh, during a trial, not after it is over. Waiting on God is essential. The term wait is it's from the Hebrew verb kawah, which eventually carried the idea of eagerly looking for something. It originally meant to twist or to stretch. The noun form means line, cord, or tread. So the literal definition became a word picture involving tension or eager anticipation. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, uses the same term. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. If you are waiting for God to work this week, keep on waiting. In the way, there will come strength and courage. So I urge you to review the truth here in Psalm 27 each time you are tempted to be afraid. Do not become paralyzed and ineffective. Take yourself out of the grind of fear, look upon each threatening circumstance as an opportunity to grow in your faith rather than to retreat. The question is is how? We need to follow David's example. first, call to mind what you what you to be to be true about God. Second, express what you need boldly. Third wait. Let the fearful circumstance become God's opportunity to to strengthen you. So therefore, wait. That is in faith. Wait on the Lord. Trust His plan. Trust His timing. Be of good courage. And He shall strengthen your heart. Wait on Yahweh. As Joshua said to the Hebrew children in Joshua chapter 10 verse 25, "Do not be afraid or discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord will do all this to all the enemies you fight." As Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16:13, "Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be strong and be brave." So how do we apply Psalm 27? As a believer, my relationship to God is permanent and dependable. Human relationships too often fail even uh, the closest ones. And lastly, we must learn to wait upon the Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, conquer our fears and grant us courage. As we serve you. Father, bring bring us into your presence every day of our lives. Yes, Lord, grant us this opportunity to sing praises, to to shout for joy to you, O Lord. Thank you for being the God of our salvation. Teach us your way and lead us in your path lord open open our eyes that we may see our savior present with us it is a blessing it is a blessed thing to to want to see him but it's far better to gaze upon him to those who seek him he is kind but to those who find him he is a dear Beyond expression. O oh God. May we continue to look to Jesus. Who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him. Endured the cross despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you. O oh Lord for your goodness. Thank you for your truth. May your truth remain in our hearts this week. May we learn your truth and live it out accordingly. In the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen.